boo. It's your girl, Roz Dresfeles. Hi. I have been all over the country the past couple of weeks having the time of my life with our guest today, Peaches Christ. And I actually spent a couple of days in Northern California. And of course, like always, I'm saying to all the local folks, hey, where's, where's, where's the ghost spots? Where can I go to find some ghosts? And Everyone's like, you gotta go to the Winchester Mystery House. Did I? No, because I didn't have a car and I didn't feel like paying for a lift all the way out there. But I want to talk about it. The Winchester Mystery House. Have you been there? Well, one of our listeners has, and they actually sent me this fabulous review, and uh, they included a story about the Winchester Mystery House. And you can also tell me your ghost stories for me to read on the air simply by writing them in a review, a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, or you could actually send me an email as well at ghostedbyraws at gmail.com. This one comes from Sharon Hurt. I was taking a tour of the Winchester Mystery House in San Jose, California. We were in the carriage hallway at the back steps of the original farmhouse. I was at the back of the tour group and suddenly, I got that feeling you get in a crowd where someone is standing in your space but not touching. Oh, do I know that well, Connie? I looked over my shoulder and I saw a man about five foot six with dark hair and a mustache. Hmm, okay, could be my type, I don't know. He met my eyes and smiled at me. Ooh, girl, he was he was trying to flirt with you. I smiled back and moved a step away from him because I thought he was part of the tour, and I had been on that tour once before, so I was trying to give him room to see better. When I looked back at him, he was gone. I found out years later that there have been several reports of people seeing workmen who apparently died while working on the house. Okay, so what is the Winchester Mystery House? It's, well, I haven't been, but it looks so cool, according to the internet. And I've heard from many people that have been there that it's something you got to check out if you're ever in the San Jose, California area. There's also a movie that came out in 2018 that starred Helen Mirren as Sarah Winchester. So I don't know if it's worth a watch. I looked it up on uh, Google and it had like an 18% on Rotten Tomatoes. But, you know, Helen Mirren. Gotta love Helen Mirren. I'm sure she's amazing in it. So the story starts, and P.S., I went to prairieghost.com, which is a great resource. And this is what they told me. Starts out with Sarah Pardee, P-A-R-D-E-E. That's a great last name. Sarah Pardee. She's from New Haven, Connecticut. She was four foot ten. She was beautiful, according to the website. She had a personality and loveliness. It really sounds like she was that type where it's like, all the girls wanted to be her and all the guys wanted to be with her. She said what everyone wanted to say, but was too afraid to. It didn't say that, but it just seemed like this seemed like she was that kind of person. Sarah Party. Now, at the same time in New Haven, William Wirt Winchester was growing up 
He was the son of a businessman who made a fortune because he obtained assets to a firm that that had the that created the gun with a the volcanic repeater, which made it much easier to load and fire guns. They eventually developed the Henry rifle, which was the first gun that was really you know at this time they had the muskets and the you know you had to pack the thing in and all that this this was a gun where you could shoot an average shot every three seconds so this was huge so that of course they made a fortune it was one of the favorites among the northern troops in the civil war they ended up changing the name to winchester repeating arms company now on september 30th 1862 at the height of the civil war william and sarah Married, so she goes from this. This is the after party. After party, she goes from Sarah Party to Sarah Winchester. And four years later, they had a daughter, and sadly, she died. The daughter died of a children's disease called Miramus, which it sounds horrible. God, apparently, the body just wastes away. So of course, she's completely devastated. And then her husband William dies. He has um, pulmonary tuberculosis. Now, she ends up inheriting over $20 million. We're talking 1800s. $20 million and 48.9% of Winchester Repeating Arms Company. And she got about $1,000 a day. But, you know, she's still grieving. It's terrible, terrible loss because uh, actually her husband had at that point become the heir to the Winchester Repeating Arms Company fortune. So she's grieving. She goes to a psychic after a friend suggests it. Psychic says, your husband is here. He says for me to tell you that there is a curse on your family, which took the life of your child. It will soon take you too. It is a curse that has resulted from the terrible weapon created by the Winchester family. Thousands of persons have died because of it, and their spirits are now seeking vengeance. Sarah was then told that she must sell her property in New Haven and head toward the setting sun. She would be guided by her husband. When she found her new home in the West, she would recognize it. You must start a new life, said the medium, and build a house for yourself and for the spirits who have fallen from this terrible weapon too. You can never stop building the house. If you continue building, you will live. Stop and you will die. So she sells her home in New Haven, guided by the hand of her husband. She ends up in Santa Clara Valley, California. Originally, it was a six-room house that she finds that sits on 162 acres of land. For the next 36 years, she built and rebuilt, changed and constructed and demolished one section after another. 22 carpenters year-round, 24-7. There was banging and sawing non-stop. Now, according to um, Sharon Hurt, there might have been some workers that died while building this, and they've made some appearances in recent times. Now, this house is crazy, though. Rooms were added to rooms. They turned uh, they turned it into entire different wings of the and sections of the house where doors joined into windows. The house is seven stories. Three elevators, 47 fireplaces, countless staircases leading to nowhere, blind chimneys that stop at ceilings, 
Closets that open to blank walls, trap doors, double back hallways, doors that open to steep drops that if you open the door, you would just fall all the way down to the ground. She also had an obsession with the number 13. Nearly all the windows contained 13 panes of glass. The walls had 13 panels. Many of the wooden floors contained 13 sections. Some of the rooms had 13 windows, and every staircase but one had 13 steps. So 1906, the Great San Francisco Earthquake hits. The top three floors collapse. The fireplace in the room where Sarah was sleeping collapsed, trapping her inside. Now, she's convinced that this earthquake was a sign from the spirits that were furious because she had nearly completed building this gigantic mansion. To ensure that the house was never finished, because again, remember, she can't stop building it or these ghosts are going to kill her. To ensure that the house is never finished, because you have to remember, if she ever stops building this house, the ghosts are going to kill her. She ends up boarding up the front 30 front 30 rooms, and she also apparently did that to trap the spirits that had fallen from the earthquake inside of that room to keep them in, because these spirits, uh, I guess, were not the kind that could walk through walls. 1922, at the age of 83, she ends up dying in her sleep. The house was sold to investors for a tourist destination. It is now officially a historical landmark in California. Now, is it haunted? Was it ever haunted? Who knows? Many psychics say, yes, there are some of those spirits still lurking around. Visitors and employees have reported footsteps, banging doors, mysterious voices, windows that bang so hard they shatter. Same. Cold spots, you know, all that. All those great horror story tropes that happen in haunted houses. I would love it if you would visit the Winchester Mystery House, or maybe you have. Tell me. Tell me about your experience. I want to hear it. But since we are doing a Northern California theme show today, I'm going to send it on over to my favorite spooky historical landmark of Northern California. (laughs) Peaches Christ! You guys... I just got back to Los Angeles today because I've been on the road with a hero of mine, an icon, someone that I'm going to say is a mentor because you said that I that you're a mentor of mine, so I'm just going to take that and run with it. God. I'm I'm honored to call her a friend. She is uh, truly a legendary queen of San Francisco and beyond. She is a director, a writer. She even has her own haunted house attraction that you can go to in San Francisco called the Terror Vault, and we're going to talk about that later. But first, let me introduce to you. Peaches Christ. Oh, thank you, Roz. Hi, Peaches. Hi. Gosh, it's a long time no see. I know, right? We've literally been um, in airports and Ubers. And hotels. Hotels. Old theaters. We've been having the time of our lives. We've been doing this show called Mean Gaze, which is super cool. Because if you're not familiar with Peaches, what Peaches geniusly does is she parodies cult films. Mm-hmm. What was the first one you ever did? Oh, God. I mean, the first, I guess this all started with my Midnight Mass movie series where we actually did a performance before we screened a cult movie. And that's really the genesis of where this was all born. Was the performance based on the movie? Yes. Yeah. So the first film we ever screened back in 1998 with a performance was Faster Pussycat. Kill, kill. I love that movie. Yeah, so good. 
And we did uh, like an opening number with the the three ladies, and then we did a Turisatana lookalike contest, and we did like a little you know skit, and then we screened the movie. And years later, you know, the show had Midnight Mass had grown big enough that we actually got to invite and work with Turisatana. I love her. Yeah, she was amazing. And that movie is so so many good quotes. Like every line is yeah. like. A quote. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it, it, if if you ever wanted to see something that truly inspired John Waters, check out that film. You know, you really see where a lot of his inspiration came from. Yeah, and you're such a horror yeah. horror queen. I love horror. Yeah. Yeah, and you've even directed your own horror film, All yeah. About Evil, uh-huh. which I love. Where can people find that? Well, right now it's kind of out of print, and so they're going online. The international versions are uh, available. Um, we're hoping that with a 10-year anniversary, we're going to get like a a, a new uh, look at All About Evil and negotiating with the streaming services and all of that. So, But right now it's actually kind of hard to find, so um, hopefully that'll change in the next year or so. It'll be worth it. Yeah. So, Peaches, let's talk about ghosts. That is why Absolutely. we're here. Have you had experiences? Do you believe? You know, I do believe, and uh, I believe I've had experiences. Yeah, well, you're like me. You were raised a Catholic kid, mm-hmm. and that's a great way to beat the beliefs into your head, that there is Holy Spirits, that there is resurrections. Yes. Yeah, everything. I mean... You know, demons possessing your body. All of that is allowed when you're raised Catholic. So what was your first experience? <laughs> um, well, you know, I, since being asked to be on your podcast, I was kind of like searching my brain. And, you know, I just remembered that me and this little girl in my um, neighborhood, you know, where I grew up. I grew up in the 80s. When kids were allowed to run free, you know, there was there was no no like limit. I mean, I think I had to be home before dark, but as like a little kid, you know, you could explore the woods, you know, you kind of had these boundaries where you couldn't cross this major road or this major road and the, you know, hundreds of acres of I'm picturing of the woods. movie It. It's very like those 80s movies, you yeah. know, like Goonies, Poltergeist, you know, totally. E.T., It. Uh, what are the new ones? Stranger Things, like that, you know, the BMX kids, like that was us, you know. And me and this little girl were convinced that we would see this lady, and we called her the lady. And, um, you know, she was really spooky. Like in our minds, she was, uh, we didn't call her a ghost, she was just the lady. But I think we knew that what we were seeing was supernatural. So where would you see her? Well, often in the woods, but then I remember very specifically, and she wore all black, and she was... I'm sorry, if you see anything, any human in the woods, if you're just in the woods and there's another human, that's already terrifying. Yeah, and she would creep out from behind a tree, or, you know, she would, would, um, you know, appear off in the distance and maybe, you know, look like a tree, but then be the lady... And uh, and we would tell our parents about the lady, and we would draw pictures of the lady. And our parents would convince us that we just had really active imaginations. Of course, at, growing up, the weirdo that I was, you know, my parents thought everything I was interested in was bizarre, you know, because I loved spooky stuff from the time I was really little. Same. Yeah, so they just kind of dismissed it. And um, 
But there was once that I'm convinced I went down in the basement of our house and um, the basement wasn't at the time a finished basement. It was kind of, you know, a storage, like a scary basement, um, a storage space for old stuff. And um, there was a couch down there. And I just remember going down there. I don't know why. Maybe we, you know, kept toys and stuff down there, bigger toys. And the lady was behind the couch and like stood up from behind it and like looked at me. And I just remember like running up the stairs, screaming and screaming and, you know, telling my mother, the lady's down there, the lady's down there. (laughs) And, um, you know, my parents, again, of course, convincing me that it was my imagination. Now, as an adult being asked to be on your podcast, I haven't thought about the lady in many, many, many years. But uh, I did think, oh, yeah, you know, maybe there was something to that. Maybe there was someone there. Why did me and this other girl share this imagination? Like, uh-huh. did we really convince each other we were seeing the same thing? Or What happened to that girl? You... She's, you know, she, I've seen her on Facebook. I mean, maybe I should reach out to her and ask her if she remembers the lady. That, do you guys keep in touch? Because that could be a very weird, like... We do a very, like... Uh... Our sisters are closer friends, so, you know, we don't really keep in touch, but, I mean, it'd be very easy for me to reach out to her. That would be interesting to be yeah. like, did you ever think that that lady was a ghost or a witch? Well, that's the thing. So, years later, a friend of mine contacted me about being part of a movie they were going to shoot in Maryland, and when she described what the movie was, I remember thinking, oh my God, this is a movie about the lady. Like other people in Maryland have experienced the lady. Like they know the lady. I remember as a young adult thinking the lady was real because of this this movie that my friend was going to make. And of course I was like, um, I'd love to come back from San Francisco, but your extremely low budget movie doesn't sound like it's going to be much fun to shoot because they were going to be filming in the woods with no trailers, you know, sleeping in tents. Mm-hmm. And, um, and of course the movie sounded like it wouldn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And you know what movie I'm talking about. Star Wars. <laughs> no, it was the Blair Witch Project. In your defense, that sounds like a terrible experience. Yeah, I mean... Because there nothing, nothing had really been like that, you mm-mm. know? That kind of started that found footage phenomenon, as far as I know. It's true. And so, yeah, if I would have heard that, I'd be like, have fun with your mosquitoes. You know, I actually did really consider it because... You know, I was just so hungry to make movies and I studied filmmaking and, you know, was making short films in San Francisco at the time. I was running a movie theater. Ironically, the movie theater that a year later had the exclusive engagement in Northern <laughs> California of the Blair Witch Project. Was the movie theater haunted? Okay, so I actually believe that most of these old buildings have sp- Spiritual presence. They have to. I I have never been to a theater that's not haunted. However, we were just doing a tour exclusively in old, amazing yeah. m- movie houses and and performance venues and silent movie houses where we were performing. And uh, the people that I talked to, most of them were like, "Yeah, we hear sounds," but like, yeah, they have weren't much to say. Well, so I, having worked in old theaters. So I ran this movie theater in San Francisco called The Bridge Theater. Before that, when I first started with Landmark Theaters, that's the company I worked for, who at the time was really the largest exhibitor of foreign film and American independent cinema in the country. Uh, They um, had a lot of acquisitions 
where they had taken over old abandoned cinemas or cinemas that people no longer wanted to operate. So here they still have the new art, you know, um, yes. and and at the time they had a lot of old cinemas. Now, since then, the model has been to create multi-screen theaters and kind of compete with the sort of mainstream exhibitors. But back then, like the company was really a chain of old beat up rundown art house movie theaters something i love so much about that i said that to you when we were i think in where was the chicago the patio theater yeah the patio outside of chicago and i that's what i was just sitting there looking around and there's something i just love about something that's so grand but no longer in its heyday but right. still like, still amazing like still, still amazing in its own way this beautiful relic of something that like was fabulous you know that mm-hmm. people would go to see movies in these beautiful palaces and now we go see movies in blank boxes you know with yeah. recliners or whatever but back then going to the movies was all part of going to a show and the the, the theater itself the cinema was part of the show mm-hmm. yeah it's not like that anymore not too much but anyway my feeling having worked in so many of these spaces is that while one or two of them was like haunted in the traditional poltergeist sense, you know, you'd hear, you know, it's like almost like the walls were bleeding, you know. I think it's always in the projection room. You see a little shadow. Yeah. Well, most of them, though, I would say, and people who work in theaters had an energy and you could describe it to each other. And I think the fact that a lot of us, especially as managers, were in these buildings at one, two in the morning, you know, counting money, locking up the safe, locking the building. And they're big and going through and closing a projection room and turning all the lights off. You when you talk to enough people and you have the same sense of a place, that's more than just, you know, what's physically there. There's a spiritual oh, yeah. presence. Yeah. And that's like with your friend as a kid. I mean, right. when you have a shared experience like that. It legitimizes it. Yeah. So, I mean, there was so the bridge where I worked for many, many years, whatever spirits were there. And I do believe they, there were they were really nurturing and loving. They ha- were happy to have us there. You wanted to spend time in the bridge. It was really, really a nice place to be. It felt comfortable. It was warm feeling. The Lumiere Theater over on California street um the opposite you did not want to be there alone late at night Mm. it felt very very creepy something was lurking around every corner it was just an unpleasant place to be what we found out later was the lumiere um sat over partially um an old morgue and funeral home so i think there was something to that probably wait but how old was the theater it was it wasn't as old as the bridge, which was bo- built in 1939. Okay. So um, the Lumiere was probably in the later 40s or 50s. But there was a morgue before that, that. Well, so this restaurant that's underneath the Lumiere and next to it used to be a morgue. Okay. So th- so they did exist together at one time. Ooh. The the um the dead bodies in the cinema. Oh. Uh, yeah. And then there was a, another cinema where we worked where it wasn't a feeling as much as it was like, did you hear that door slam? Did you leave that door open? Did you hear that screaming? Was that projector on? Why did it just turn off? Uh-huh. You know, stuff like th- that was the Belmont Theater, which has since been um, not demolished, but um, 
it's transitioned into um, a rock climbing center. Oh. Which I'm like, I don't want to go rock climbing in there because someone's going to push you off the wall. Right. You know. Why do you, in your, do you have a theory why theaters are haunted? Hmm. Good question. Because it seems like they're always haunted. Well, I mean, maybe, again, imagination might be part of it, you know, uh, where maybe we're more open to experiencing, you know, we want theaters to be haunted because they're such dramatic, fabulous spaces. Totally. They're, um, you know, they're they're dark. You know, they're they're they. We live in the shadows in these spaces, and you know, there's just sort of a dramatic narrative already built into the idea of a haunted theater, rather than I don't know, a haunted office building or whatever. You well, know. Well, plus there's like backstage areas, which right? To you know, when you're in an audience and there is a backstage, it's kind of like what's mysteriously going on back there. I wonder, you know, there's there's more to the story than what we're seeing. Right. I think it could kind of fill your mind. I also think that like theaters where people perform, there's just so many dramatic people that live there and then they die and then they're just like. Like, I still want to put on a show. I agree with you. And I think maybe in general, we walk through the world with kind of blinders on to this other world. Oh, yeah. But when we're open to it or we're looking for it, you know, we might be able to sense its presence more. And I think in old cinemas, old buildings, things that look creepy, we tend to open our minds more to what might be there. Whereas in general, maybe we're always surrounded by ghosts. But we I really we are. Right. But we're not maybe looking for it or as open to it or... Yeah. Well, plus, you know, you know, those places attract creative people who have creative minds who are usually the ones or who are often the kind of people that believe that there could be more than what we see in this world. Right. You know, that's why I, I mean, that's why so many in my in my opinion, why so many creatives do have ghost experiences because we're naturally curious people. We're naturally people that um, believe the impossible is possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do have another ghost story that's a little more recent. Really? That's not in um, a theater or a cinema. Oh. Um, so I, because I, I, I've been, I've been thinking about all these things before coming on your fabulous podcast. <sighs> uh, so I lived in Provincetown or the last few summers doing shows, uh, and not this past summer, but the summer before. My roommate was Trixie Mattel. Heard of her? World famous drag queen now. And she was world famous when we lived together. But um, she and I lived in this apartment building, kind of a cottage off Conwell, which is one of the big streets in Provincetown. Not the main street, that's Commercial Street, but Conwell is also a street that people know because it kind of bisects the town. And, um, and so we lived there and we talked about whether or not it was haunted and whether or not we you know, felt anything. And um, just did you have a reason to or you just I think we did. I think we did. But we mm-hmm. didn't know it. Got it. And, you know, kind of checked in with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think she and I are kind of similar where we're not like afraid of ghosts or anything like so, you know, it'd be more like <laughs> like, you know, do you feel like this is a good Pre- like there's a, a a sense of um, a good spirit here. Now, at the time, we noticed there was an abnormal amount of these lamps that are made out of salt, like 
Do you know these salt rocks that? Yeah, like the big hunk of yes. salt. Yeah, there were like four in every room. Like, a, and I, we couldn't figure it out. Is it like the lesbian homeowners, mm-hmm. or are there like some spirits that need to be? And there was sage everywhere, and mm. so so again, something to lead you to believe. Like, hmm, I don't know. And I did feel like a little spooked out being there. Like there was the reasons, especially if you were there at night, like you felt like um, you weren't alone. Like it was a, it was a very clear feeling. So I didn't think about it, right? So that's two summers ago. And I didn't think about it for a while. And then last summer, um, these friends of ours, another artist um, who was living in Provincetown doing shows, they were living in um, the same house. And one of them thought it was haunted and wanted to talk to me and Trixie because he knew that we had lived there. Well, his roommate had told me that he felt this way. So like the giant jerk that I am, I um, prefaced, I pretend, I played dumb. And then when I ran into him, I said, I have a really weird question for you, but you know how you're living in that house? Like, have you experienced anything strange? And you know, his whole face, like just, you know, he went wide eyed. He's like, oh my God. I can't believe it. Yes, you know. And I was, you know, sort of leading him on in a way that I thought was fun. You know, <laughs> um, I was like, you know, have, have they started grabbing your feet yet? You sure. know, stuff like that. Yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah. Have the nosebleeds begun? Has you know? the wall started yeah, bleeding? Exactly. So, so the laugh's on me because I tell him, like, oh, no, I'm just kidding. You know, Trixie and I, we never experienced anything that intense, but we did kind of think it was haunted, you know. And I was expecting him to maybe be mad at me because I realized while I was talking to him how much he believed and was serious. You know, like he was so serious. So the summer goes on and we're talking to more and more people about this. And and now there's this story about me being, you know, the practical joker who led him on or whatever. And finally someone goes, well, you know someone was murdered there. And we're like, what? And and sure enough, we research it. And not in the unit we were in, but right next door, because they're all connected, uh, is this kind of famous murder that took place in Provincetown where these tweakers were, um, you know, like hooking up and on a meth bender. And the one uh, that lived uh, murdered the other one. Oh, my God. Yeah, chopped off his arms, stuffed him in a closet, <gasps> continued to have tricks over while the dead so body... So it was like a full-on party and play. Yeah, like, it was a t- full-on like den. tweaker, psychosis. Yeah. People were still living in other parts of the building because that unit had multiple floors with different apartments in it. But the dead body stayed in there the whole time. Yeah, for <gasps> days, for days. Yeah, horrible. Uh, and there's like a weird documentary that you can watch about it on YouTube. So I watched the whole thing and then I felt so terrible because I realized like not only is our place probably haunted when you watch the doc you you realize that the guy that got killed was in love with the other one but that the, the murderer was just using that guy for the drugs you know that kind of thing so you feel like there's this real like tragic part of it where not only was he murdered by this guy but he had emotional and romantic feelings for him and he was being used and then ended up being murdered by this guy. So looking back, you you feel like that's you could totally feel that energy. I do. I feel like I don't think it's a coincidence that me and Trixie sort of felt something. Uh-huh. And then that this guy who's probably 
much further along. I feel like, too, we all have different sort of wavelengths with the spirit world. And, you know, this guy, I think, was more open to it. And just this, this also, too, he was, if this, this dead um, ghost is, you know, gay guy, well, I, this guy is extremely attractive. So maybe that had something to do with it. Maybe Trixie and I weren't trade enough. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> that would be me as a ghost. I'd be like, <laughs> you'd hey. be super horny. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Um, okay. You want to hear a story from a listener? Absolutely. I've been ghosted too. So I got a submission for a story from Gina. CPL. Now, she left this story in the uh, ratings and reviews section of Ghosted by Roz Dressvilles on iTunes. And you also can uh, leave me a story there for us to read on the air, but only if you give me five stars. And luckily, Gina did. Now, she actually has a story about Dull Cemetery. Now, have you heard about that? Mm-mm. Okay, we had on a comedian named Kyle Ayers who had an experience at Stull Cemetery. It is located in Stull, Kansas. It is terrifying, Peaches. The the episode, I was so scared. When we were in here, it was the first episode I've done where I was like, I think I need to take a moment to like stop this because it was so scary. Because it is this... They call it a gateway to hell. It's this old cemetery mm-hmm. where tons of creepy shit happens. There's apparently stairs that lead to hell. There is um, a an old church that doesn't have a roof. And if it rains, it somehow doesn't get wet inside of the church. Just weird, trippy wow. shit. Yeah. We also had some EVPs. So uh, for anyone that's listening that hasn't heard that episode about Stull Cemetery, the gateway to hell, uh, listen to the episode with Kyle Ayers. So Gina had uh, sent me this. She said a little bit more about Stull. I went to college near Stull, Kansas. A dear friend of mine and I attempted to go there once and were deterred by a strange sighting as we approached the cemetery. But that's neither here nor there, and that's not a very exciting story to tell. Okay, geez, Gina. Uh, I heard so many creepy little tidbits about Stull throughout my time living in Lawrence, Kansas. My favorite Stull story has to do with the hidden steps that descend into hell. While at a party, some guy was talking, and she wrote in parentheses, loudly, about his Stull adventure. He claimed that he and his friends had found the steps. He described a small number of stone steps descending into the earth. They decided to walk down just a few steps. What could possibly go wrong? She also wrote in parentheses. I love that she wrote her own color commentary because she (laughs) knew I was going to do that anyway. (laughs) But when one friend turned around to look back toward the entrance, it was as if they had descended 50 steps. Understandably freaked out, he yelled. Everyone else saw what was happening and they got out of there. Wow. Oh, that's so creepy. I love that concept. Or just that they would start running up the stairs, but it wouldn't move like an escalator. Oh, that's... You know, just you weren't getting further. Yeah, it's like a step, a Stairmaster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is my hell. <laughs> that is my hell, being on a Stairmaster. <laughs> so, I also want to play a little game of... EVPs. 
for EV, please. So I wanted to make this a Peaches Christ edition. Okay. So I've got some. Uh, I've got my first EVP from your home state of Maryland. Ah, okay. I didn't know how you were going to make it a peach describe. I was like, are they sassy? Yeah, they're gossipy queens. <laughs> gossipy you. queens. Uh, Roz, stop spreading rumors. I... She is like trying to spread it around uh, that Peaches Christ is a gossip. You know what? Stop. Make trying to make that happen. You're not going to make it happen. My favorite thing about Peaches is that she's very gossipy, but she wanted to gossip about the fact that I keep saying she's a gossip. <laughs> True story. It does annoy me, though, that you won't tell me things. <laughs> what do you mean? Like, you're like, well, one queen, blah, blah, blah. Oh. And then I'm like, who? And you're like, See, I can't tell you, Peaches. He, no, well, that is true. <laughs> I. But, you, yeah, listen, you have to understand. It is true. I, you that, know, admittedly, I love to share stories. And I love to hear them. And actually, I admit that I even kind of falsify them. Oh, that see, I like that about you that you can admit that I you do. I admit it. What you say? I take people's stories and I make them better. Yeah, that's what I do. I do. Okay, well, let's see if you can make this better. Okay, here's an EVP that is from, uh, it's from Maryland. It was posted onto YouTube by Paranormal or not by Maryland Paranormal Research. That's their name. It was taken at a private residence in Arnold, Maryland. Oh, I know Arnold very well. It's very close to where I grew up. Oh, Okay. It was recorded in uh, 2011. It starts by hearing somebody, you, you hear someone say the words, say something, and then you hear a spirit. Now, I will say, to be fair, I did edit the, the spirit's voice a little bit louder, so it has a slight robotic sound to it, But because uh, it was kind of a whisper. But here it is. Tell me what you think it says. Say something. <laughs> what? It's very brief. <laughs> we'll hear it a few times. Listen, this is the I I was wow. I mean, I, I couldn't find very many pair. Sounds uh, like an Baltimore. alien. I know it has a little bit of a robot like a metallic thing. sound. Yeah, it does, and that's that's my fault because I was the, it was very quiet, so I made it louder. Okay, here we go. But you can hear like a yes, I hear like a breath, like <gasps> well, I don't know. What... Okay, Fuck was it? Was it? A, he says, say something. Was it a? Okay. B. He goes, say something, and it goes, I'm giving up on you. Do you know that song? No. No. Was it C, I'm here, or D, something? You know, like those obnoxious people. Right, go, right, right. Say something. Something. Right, right, It's like right. when you're a student and you go, can I go to the bathroom? And the teacher goes, I don't know. Can you? It'd right. be like that same kind of a ghost. Yes. No, it's not that. I guess it's I'll saying it I'm here. Time. Say something. I mean, that seems like I'm here might be the closest thing. You can kind of hear it. Yeah, it is. I'm here. Listen. Say something. I'm here. No. It's a reach. It's a reach. I mean, it's interesting that they caught something, but I don't know that you can necessarily tell what it's saying. Well, that's the fun of this game. It's just what other people think that it says. Right, right, right. But I don't doubt that, yes, he did find something. I guess it's Evie, please. Well... I mean, maybe. I don't know. Is that yeah. is that a Debbie Downer? No, it's okay. Here's another one. Now, this one was 
It's a really cool video I found uh, that was posted by Anthony Anderson, no relation to the actor from the TV show Blackish or Kangaroo Jack, uh, but his name is Anthony Anderson, and he recorded this this whole video that retells a ghost hunting adventure that he had at the Market Street Theater in San Francisco, California. Wow, I know that theater well. And you know of its haunted history? Absolutely. It's considered one of the most haunted sites in the city. Yeah. Uh, He says that some of the ghosts there are a mysterious lady in white that performs on stage. Caretaker Gary, who died of heart failure in the basement. And mysterious JJ, who's also in the basement. Okay, so here's another one, real brief. Uh, Tell me what you think it says. Run. That's a good guess. Here, it's one of these four options. Oh, sorry. I, I I should wait for you to get the options. Is it A, hunty? <laughs> B, clumsy. C, blah, 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 or D, whatever happened to predictability? The Milkman, the Paperboy. That's the Full House theme song. That's what I think of when I think of San Francisco. Right, right, right. Okay. Hmm. I guess of, I guess of the, those options, I'd say clumsy. It is clumsy. It is okay. Let's hear another. We know. But it's who clumsy. decides what it is? Anthony Anderson. Okay. So on the, YouTube, the recordists. They say this is what this ghost is saying. Yeah. Okay. I don't ever like to play EVP EVPs or EVPs if they say I think they might have said this. Right, I like it right, when right. they say this is what clumsy. they said. Yeah. Okay. So wait, let's hear it now that we know it's clumsy. Hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, I will say this: considering the stories that have come out of the Market Street Cinema, I mean, in San Francisco, you've got the Castro Theater where we do a lot. All of my shows Which where no you one, performed. Everyone says it's not haunted. That's not true. Really? Yeah. I guess can, I talked to the wrong people. You can talk to different staff members, especially over the years. There was a long time in the 80s and 90s. And maybe ghosts come and go. You know what I mean? But there were many, many employees at one time who would claim a very similar story where... When they would open the balcony, which they don't do very often anymore. But, you know, for my shows they do. They used to keep the balcony and the orchestra open for any screening. And it was like uh, less of an event space and more like a repertory cinema and they'd sell tickets and some people would go upstairs and uh, there was a usher who would go and tell people, I'm sorry, but the balcony is closed. And the people would come downstairs and complain like, well, then why didn't you put the stanchions out or why didn't you tell us? And then the staff downstairs would be like, there's no one up there. Mm. We don't have an usher. And we certainly don't have an usher wearing an old usher uniform. Apparently he was an old queen, you know, like this older gay man who'd be like, I'm sorry, but the balcony is closed. (gasps) And so enough people had that customer complaint over the years. It was usually customers who saw the ghost. Not the employees. I love the idea of an old queen ghost. Right? Isn't it fabulous? Yeah. You know, and um, who knows? I mean, you know, part of Vito Russo's ashes are stuffed into the wall at the Castro. Is that true? That is true. Yes. Oh, I never heard that. Yeah. You should go, you check out that Jeffrey Schwartz documentary, Vito. About Vito. Yeah, yeah, that's so fabulous. Really and good. they talk about how oh, do they? Uh, that... Wait, did they talk about it in the documentary or... 
I might have heard that from Alan Sawyer, who's this fantastic sort of local historian who was a manager of the Castro for years and years. Of course, I'm obsessed with all this sort of history. Mm-hmm. And I used to have a storytelling um, show and podcast uh, in San Francisco, and we did a show about old theaters. And I'm pretty sure Alan talked about how Vito's... I, I think it's both. I think both the film and Alan have talked about how Vito's ashes are in the wall, and they know where they are, but I don't know where they are. Would you do that? No. I mean, I I guess I probably would want to be cremated, but I don't know if I want to be in the wall at the Castro. <laughs> <laughs> but you are like the queen of the Castro theater. I am, but, uh, and I love the Castro theater. It is such a grand. You know what's funny is I think because I work there so much um, and I don't go there as much anymore um you know, for for recreational screenings and things, it's changed my um, sentiments about it. I, I consider it my it's, my it's one of my workplaces. Where you yeah, clock in, kind of. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk before we go about where people can find you this October. Oh well, talk about haunted. So mm-hmm. you know, last year I got um, a real dream project uh, to 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 be manifested after many years of trying, and so. I created an, an immersive theater um, company uh, with um, this company, Nonplus Ultra, and they activate um, old buildings, usually o- owned by the city, that, that are sitting empty. Uh, and, and this uh, friend of mine, David Flower, who's a professional haunt production designer and producer, we joined forces, all of us, and um, opened our first ever haunted attraction in San Francisco at the old Mint building. I love that. Which is... Definitely haunted. Ooh, that's yeah. like how they have the Queen Mary one here. Yes, exactly. Ugh. Yeah. Because that, that would be so scary to be like, what is real and what isn't? But that's that's a great little hook. I actually think sometimes it's it's scarier sometimes for the people who work on the project. Of course. <laughs> like, like we'd be going down to start the show and I'd be walking through, you know, the project and some of it would be very, very dark. And, you know, and of course the actors sometimes are jerks to each other and, you know, get into their spots and, and pop out and, you know, but I would start to think like, oh my God, that's an actor. And then realize there's no actor there. Mm-mm. Why was that thing moving? Or, you know, where did that come from? I love the idea of an attracted or a haunted attraction in theory. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't like to go through that stuff. I think you'd like ours. Cause I wrote a whole script. It was a story. It was, you I know, would like yours. There was, a, there was a, you know, it was part escape room. You know, the audience was very much a character in the show. You know, it wasn't like you walked through and you're passively observing it. You actually were engaged by the actors. And, I like that whole experience yeah. situation. And you, you also made a few appearances, you said, right? Oh my God. Last year I was in every single show, oh which my God. I'll never do that again. Cause yeah. that was just too much. But I, I learned so much. I didn't realize how hard it would be to do 38 shows a night <laughs> as peaches and come down in an elevator, you know, and do the same scene over and over and over again, where I was summon Baphomet. So what is the concept this year? Well, so it's still the same. Terror Vault is all about the fact that the Mint building was secretly used by the city um, uh, as a prison. Um, They did a deal with the federal government after the 1906 earthquake. Before Alcatraz was opened in the late 30s, 
where they were using the vaults to lock up the city's worst criminals because they really didn't have enough jails um, and the city was overrun with criminals. Now, all of that is true, except for the, the notion that the Mint was ever used as a prison. It was not. I made that up. Oh, uh, okay. So the the plot is still the same. You sort of show up and you go on this museum tour and then you find out that when Alcatraz was opened, instead of moving the prisoners to the island, they just sealed the vaults and walked away. Now we're going to take you downstairs and all hell breaks loose. Um, so it's the same... Um, plot except that you're going to meet all new prisoners you know so last year you know you met ignatius shelby who was a serial killer taxidermist who was fusing humans and pacific heights to animal you know creatures and making new breeds of things and is that real no okay uh you know i made it all up there was a killer clown turn of the century clown who huffed poisonous gas called poppy there was oh there was a lot of catholicism of course you know um there was a whole satan thing you know so i I created these characters and you learn about the characters ahead of time as part of the exposition of the show so that when you're going through and you're walking into these different vaults and the vaults become these worlds of these people, you understand the storyline behind them and what they're doing. So this year, I don't want to give too much away, but yeah, it's all new settings and all new characters. Cool. And then we have a whole other attraction. What's that? The Morbid Morgue. Because we we heard from enough people. We did very well last year where we were turning people away for the last couple weeks. So instead of trying to cram more people through, we're just designing a whole nother show so that we'll have two shows. And you can go to both shows, um, but just, you know, so that we can, you know, really, I mean, let's face it, make as much money as we can in one month with Mm -hmm. these pop-ups. Because we have the whole building. It's massive. It's huge. It's important. It's historical. So if there's enough people that can support two shows. So the Morbid Morgue is going to be more of a... um, if Terra Vault's more of a fantastical show, uh, full of fantasy, because you go into these these worlds, these horror worlds, Morbid Morgue is more like the gritty reality of what it would be like to be in a prison there. And you will be going in in hazmat suits to clean it up. And um, Are they allowed to touch you? Yes. Well, <gasps> in, in Terror Vault... Uh, you wear a necklace, a, a glow-in-the-dark necklace, should you choose to opt in for interactivity, which tells the actors you can be touched, you can be pulled away from your group, you can be locked in a room, you can, you know, you're you're interactive. You don't have to wear the necklace. If you don't wear the necklace, you won't be touched. With Morbid Morgue, everyone has to sign a release of liability, and you you, you will be touched, shocked, prodded, a bag put over your head, you know, whatever. Wait, but what is the real haunted history of that place well the real deal is that when the earthquake happened in 1906 it was so devastating for that part of san francisco that the city was sort of crumbling and on fire well not sort of it was i mean it just looks like you see these pictures these old ancient photographs and like just just ruins you know but the mint was still standing it was built intentionally on granite so that they could have these secure underground vaults for the, at the time it held a third of the country's gold. So it was a big, important space. And the people that were inside the Mint locked themselves in because they could do that. They could put these metal shutters over the windows because it was, it had to be fortified. You know, it held all that money. So they did that and they had water inside. They had a natural well. And so they were able to survive while people were pounding on the walls, screaming and burning to death outside. So the idea is that there's a lot of unrest there, you know, uh-huh. both from the people that died inside or, you know, um, 
maybe have guilt around locking themselves in and surviving while people died outside. So, you know, they have a lot of ghost hunters have gone through the mint and describe the ghosts, you know, from being from that time. Oh, there's so much haunted activity in San Francisco. I love it. It's a very haunted city. Mm-hmm. You know, it's foggy. It's spooky. It's yeah. And it's filled with you know it's historically just the craziest characters mm-hmm. well you're my favorite crazy oh, character tell people where they can find you uh well i'm on you know all the social media you know instagram facebook uh, twitter uh just look up peaches christ um the peaches christ on instagram and um peacheschrist.com is another place yeah follow her and if you find out that one of her shows is coming to your town It is worth every second. Go. Well, thank you for listening to this fabulous interview with Peaches Christ. I hope to bring some more drag queens on here. I've actually had a couple of people send me some messages saying, hey, where are the drag queens at? And I know, I know a lot of them, and a couple of them have some spooky old stories, so stay tuned for that. I so appreciate you guys listening. This has been so much fun. We've done a few of these episodes so far, and I am just thrilled and uh, just so honored that so many people are listening. If you are enjoying the show, please give me a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and everywhere that podcasts are uh, able to be rated. If you have a ghost story, please leave it in your five-star review on Apple Podcasts, or if it's a real long one, you can send it to ghostedbyraws at gmail.com. Maybe you're a ghost hunter and you have some EVPs that you want me to figure out what they're saying. Send those also to me at ghostedbyraws at gmail.com. Please help my childhood dream come true of becoming a social media superstar by following me at Raws Dress on Instagram and Twitter. And tell a friend about the show so we can continue to grow. I'll be back next week. I love you all. But as always, if I didn't ask you to haunt me, don't haunt me. Okay, bye!